It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Good evening, friends. Welcome to another edition of Cadillac On Call. Each Wednesday, we are here at this time to talk about a particular health or medical topic. And again, we're going to spend a fair amount of time getting you updated on the latest surrounding COVID-19, not only how prevalent it is in our community and the successes that we're having uh, against tamping down the virus, but also get you the very latest information on t- on the vaccine availability, not only at the, the vaccine site out at the Benton County Fairgrounds in Kennewick, but as well as opportunities to get the vaccine in other locales. Certainly, supply is the issue, and it's not as readily available as we would all like it to be. Uh, But we will try and get you as much information as we can, the latest information and the most accurate information relative to where that vaccine is available for the people who qualify to get it. To begin tonight, we're going to visit with Heather Hill, who is the Communicable Disease Program Manager with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, before we get to the talk about the vaccine, maybe an update, first of all, just on where we are with case counts. I understand we're continuing to still be cautiously optimistic about where the trends are headed. You're exactly right, Jim. Um, We're starting to see things start to ever so slightly drop. I mean, today our uh, case count was 103, which is is significantly lower than we've seen over the past weeks. So we're certainly trending in the right direction. But again, as we've reiterated time and time, we're looking at that 14-day period of time and once we see what happens in a 14-day block of time, that really gives us a better indicator of, of exactly how we're trending. If you get a spike up on one day, but it goes back down, that, that's not a trend. So we, we are certainly cautiously optimistic. We like what we're seeing. We hope it continues in the downward uh, trend like we're starting to see happen a little bit. I think when we visited last week, you were the concern was is that it's plateaued, which is good, but it's plateaued at a still fairly highly case rate, meaning that 14-day rate. Right. And Franklin County right now is at 599 per 100,000 for 14-day. Benton County is at 538 per 100,000 for 14 days. And that's still, you know, unfortunately, it's very high. But again, we're starting to look at that ever so slight downward trend and really hope that it it persists over the weeks to come. And I can remember when we were talking back in July and August looking for case rates uh, relative to school openings. The goal was to get, I think, to 75 per 100,000 or even 100 or 200 per 100,000. So we're, I guess, to compare, we're still very high compared to uh, where we really need to be. Yeah, if you were to look at our our graphs on our website and look back at the year, because we're at that year mark where this really... February 4th, right, was when you stood up your incident command? Right, February 4th is when we stood up our incident command, and it was about this time a year ago that Washington State found its first case. So, again, looking back at the year's worth of data, you can see where it trends up and down and up and down, and we're still in the in the pretty high rates. So that means uh, apparently we have maybe weathered the 
the holiday surge that we had been concerned about, not only from what we saw going into Thanksgiving and the Christmas and New Year's holidays. So hopefully we're on the back end of that, which is a good thing. Yeah, we, it appears that we're very likely on the back end of that and don't really expect to see any spikes as a result of, of holiday and New Year. We're certainly entering into a, a new thing to look for, and, and it's what's going to happen as middle and high schoolers get back into more face-to-face. How is that going to affect our data, and how is that trend? how are the trends going to change with that? Where are we? Let's shift now to the vaccine. And, and I know in our second, our next segment, Ben Shear, who is uh, kind of the communications lead, he works with Pasco Fire, but is working with the effort going on out at the fairgrounds. And we're going to get all the very latest for people on how they can uh, approach that. But where are we? I, I know the big challenge statewide, nationwide is just the availability of vaccine. And that was what has frustrated so many people, obviously, but it's also frustrated the people trying to provide the vaccine. You're exactly right. Over the last few weeks, as we've watched vaccine not only come into our community, but actually come into the state, we've realized that it is certainly not the levels that we had originally thought we would get. Washington State did take a decrease several weeks ago in number of doses that they expected. And unfortunately, then that that means the communities are going to have less than they expected. And this week seems to be another one of those weeks where vaccine anticipated, the amounts anticipated really hasn't panned out. And we keep using the word it's here, but we still need to be patient. Everybody at some point in time is going to have access to vaccine. It's just that we have to be so careful in how we spread it out across our communities to make sure that those highest risk people, those healthcare workers, those frontline workers have access to this um, much needed vaccine. But there's also hope in the horizon as we're hearing that more vaccine is going to be coming from the federal government to the states. And in the not too distant future, we hope to see our, our number of vaccine in our community actually increase, but we're not quite there yet. One question, and I know uh, we visited uh, throughout this past year, and I know your career has been spent in public health, and and as well as on the availability and how quickly these vaccines came to to market, which is a great thing. But at the same time, that question regarding production of the vaccines, it's not like you can just snap the fingers and automatically maybe even invoke the Defense Production Act to say, okay, go make some Moderna vaccine and you go make some Pfizer vaccine. It's just not that simple. No, it isn't. It's a time, there's a a definite time to the process when you want to make sure that the vaccine is of the quality that is, is safe and effective for our community, for the people in our community. And it's, it's not like baking a cake. It's not quick. It's not easy. And it does take time. And there's a lot of people around the world who are really, really hoping to get this vaccine in their arms. So it's not just our community. It's just not our country. It's the entire world really looking to access to this vaccine. I, we all have talked about the supply chain is is the thing that we would all like to see so much more readily opened up and and producing more vaccine. But in the meantime, what is your what is the advice on testing? Are people still 
getting tested as they should. And then the other, I guess, the fallback is in spite of even more vaccine becoming available, we have to continue with the public safety measures and public health measures. Right. We're still encouraging people to get tested. Our CDC test site is very active. They're still seeing a lot of people, but they have the ability to take more more clients in to test. And we would really like to see that percent positive significantly less because it's been trending in the upper teens on up close to 20 percent are testing positive. We need to get a lot more testing done in our community to actually see that that rate go down. And even with both of these tools, with testing and now vaccine on board, sometimes it's easy to say, well, then I don't have to do all these other mitigation uh, things. But it's, it's, again, we've talked about that COVID mitigation toolkit, which means hand washing, cover your face. Your, that means your nose and your mouth. Um, and getting vaccinated and socially distancing. Those are things that we're going to just have to continue on into through this winter and on into the spring until we really do have a large part of our population vaccinated and and reach that herd immunity. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. Thank you again so much for your time. BFHD.wa.gov is the health district's website. And we're going to transition into talking about vaccine availability. And the website you need to write down is findyourphasewa.org, findyourphasewa.org. And we'll get more on the vaccination site out at the Benton Franklin, or the Benton County Fairgrounds, I should say, in Kennewick. And we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. And back to the telephone we go to Ben Shear, who is normally a the public information officer with the Pasco Fire Department. But when there are incident command community-wide events, such as what's happening out at the vaccination site at the Benton County Fairgrounds, Ben uh, takes his PIO, what they call public information officer expertise, to work that uh, out at that site. And I know, Ben, it's been a crazy few days, but here we are day three of the vaccination site out at the fairgrounds. How are things progressing? We're doing well out there uh, for day three. So we're well ahead of expectations. And, uh, yeah, things are moving along. So we're just, we really appreciate the community support for this site, and we definitely appreciate the people coming through the site with the patients they've had and their attitudes that they're bringing with them. And I know uh, you could be open 24-7 for the foreseeable future if there was enough vaccine supply. What do people know? Right now, I know it's it's the certain age group criteria that qualify is the one is the one piece, but it's just the other piece is just the limited availability of vaccine. Where do people need to go if I'm listening for the first time and I'm learning about this Benton County Fairground site? So, yeah, the first thing you're going to want to do is go to that find your phase wa.org site and uh, make sure you're eligible for this phase of the vaccine. There's, you know, everybody's knowing the, the 65 and older, but there's also some other certain criteria that might, you might qualify for that vaccine right now. So um, start there and start that process and go through the questions it asks there and uh, find out if you're eligible for the vaccine right now. 
So presuming I am eligible and I enter my zip code, which is a Tri-City zip code, and then I'm directed to the Benton County Fairground site, then what? So then you're going to go through that site, um, you know, and unfortunately the issue we're having, like you mentioned, there's just not a vac- enough vaccines available. So we only have so many appointments available each day. We can only do so many vaccinations. And so when those vac- when people go to that site and they take up those appointment times, they're filling up very, very fast. One thing we do have going for us is because we keep adjusting how we're doing it, we're being able to move faster and faster. So that site is uh, is filled with how many we think we can get done that day. And then as the day pro- when we actually get to that day and it starts progressing, we open up more appointments. So if we're finding out we can get more people through and we have vaccinations ready to go for that day, then we're opening up more appointments for that day. I wish I could tell you, you know, go here at this time and you'll be able to get an appointment. It just doesn't work that way. So all I can tell you is just keep checking. Eventually you'll hit one that has an opening and you can grab it and then come down and we'll get a shot in an arm for you. And as we're talking, it's a Wednesday evening. What is the availability for Thursday, Friday and beyond? So Thursdays and this week's filled up with all the vaccines that we have left. Uh, We're trying very hard to, you know, scrape through the community and make sure that every vaccine is being used. Of course, you know, nobody wants any leftover vaccines. Nobody wants anything to go to waste. So, um, you know, the Benton Franklin Health District is working very hard to make sure that we are working, you know, to make sure that any vaccine that's available we can get our hands on. We were given a certain amount from the state, and those appointments are taken for that right now. And uh, so we'll make sure if you have an appointment, you do have vaccine waiting for you. We will get you a shot in the arm. If we manage to come up with some more, we will, again, open up those appointment slots and, uh, you know, invite more people down. So just keep watching, keep waiting. I know we're already getting questions about next week. The site will be open from Tuesday to Saturday next week, again, based on vaccine availability. So uh, we won't find out what that is until hopefully sometime tomorrow we'll know. And as soon as we know what that number is, we'll start populating the appointments for Tuesday to Saturday of next week. As far as this week goes, we're only going to be working a part day on Friday because we're we're, we already know we're going to be out of vaccine. Uh, by those times. So people are seeing, you know, there's several point places on the website where it says we're working from 830 to 4, but you'll notice if you could even get on and get an appointment, look at the appointment site for Friday, it only says 830 to 3 because we know we're going to be out of vaccine at that point. So if they want to potentially get a vaccine this week, the only option is if for happens, you may be able to open up some slots uh, for Thursday and Friday. So keep checking that site. But at the same time, to sign up next week, the first appointments you're planning to do next week are on Tuesday. Why not Monday? Is that just because you don't necessarily know when the allocation from the state is coming? Uh, yeah, definitely. That's part of it. Uh, we, we tried to open up Monday this week, and we did manage to find some get some vaccines for us. Now, the problem is the shipment doesn't come till Monday, so the state's saying, hey, just don't even try to open Monday because we can't guarantee you when that vaccine is going to be to you. And then it takes some prep time to get that vaccine ready to be administered. So it's just easier to, to not to be open that day, and then the public knows, you know, we know when we can definitely have a start time. So Tuesday to Saturday is our goal, um, again, based on how much vaccine we will get that week. And again, is it is it probably what we're going to be facing until we see just a nationwide more available supply that we're going to be kind of week to week as to what is available? 
Yeah, it's kind of my understanding. I, I know they had some announcements this week. The the governor and Dr. Shaw announced more vaccines coming to the state. So, you know, you're thinking, hey, that's great. More sites, you know, sites are going to have more vaccine available. The, the other issue they're facing, though, is they're trying to make more sites open uh, so we can get as many communities as we can having the availability of vaccine instead of having to drive all over the place to get vaccine. So as more sites open, of course, they need vaccine for their site, too. So I, I don't see how we're going to end up with, you know, many more vaccines than we got this week. So we ended up with uh, about 3,500 this week. And, and I would be willing to bet we'll probably end up with about the same number next week. And I know one of the other frustrations is the organization where I work is Cadillac is they're in that same boat. They're only able to be allocated X number of vaccines. And I know this morning uh, or this afternoon, I believe it was, there were 200 that they are going, they made available to the community uh, just this afternoon for availability tomorrow. But those were gone in, in, in about 15 minutes. It's, again, it just goes back to that availability of whether it's at Cadillac, whether it's at Tri-Cities Community Health or other providers in the community. And then I even understand the Prosser Hospital had to uh, postpone or cancel a couple of pre-scheduled clinics where they already had appointments just because they didn't get the vaccine. Yeah, we actually started. Uh, and really, one of the things people need to understand is, is this max, mass vaccination site is, uh, I mean, this really came down last week, you know, when the governor made his announcement about what he wanted the plan to be, and everybody, you know, stepped into trying to make it a reality. We didn't have our first first team meeting here in Tri-Cities until Thursday afternoon. So from Thursday afternoon to Monday when we opened it up, there was a lot of meetings going on, a lot of work going on at all levels of the state and the local community to make this thing happen. Um, but, it, yeah, it still comes down to, you know, how much vaccine is available at any given day to, to be able to push out to the community. So uh, as the state figures that out and, and is trying to get as much equitably get that distributed throughout the state and uh, letting the sites know how many we have, then we're trying to get that as fast as we can into arms. Uh, you have about maybe 90 seconds before we have to let you go, but w- what did you do? How many did you do today, which is Wednesday, and what do you hope to do Thursday and Friday? So I think the official count number that went out today was 1,062, and uh, so pretty good day. And that even included a visit by the adjunct general from the National Guard coming out and checking on his crews. And uh, that visit went well. He was very happy with everything he saw. And we still just managed to you know, get a huge number out there to the community. And, again, that's community support, being willing to show up and be ready to go. And they've got their questions filled out. They're ready to you know, with their information. Um, getting that you know, so we can get through the registration as quickly as possible. In about 30 to 45 seconds, just a concluding comment from your view on how can people do this uh, most uh, hopefully for them, but I guess if they do get an appointment, what, what do people really need to, to, to know as, as you take away the message on the Benton County site uh, tonight? So, yeah, what I'm about to tell you really only applies to the Benton County Fairgrounds site, and I really need people to understand that. So we work a little bit differently than, like, Cadillac Hospital site does. Because we're a drive-up clinic, because of the way we're operating, we want you to go get that appointment. Make sure you have the appointment for that day. But once you have that appointment for that day, we're not worried about what time you're there. We want you to show up as early as you can do it, and then we can push as many people through that site as quickly as possible. And once we know we have all the appointments handled, then if we have available vaccine for that day, then we can open up more sites and make the, you know, and that's how we're going to help our community. 
So you know, the better we all cooperate and better we all work together to make that happen, the easier it is for all of our sites. So, um, and then the other thing we're, we're facing is people are making appointments on multiple sites which is messing up everybody's system. So, you know, make one site at one appointment. Please keep that appointment, and uh, that'll help everybody as well, too. So um, show up early. We ask you to show up early. Be ready to wait up to an hour, hour and a half probably. But we will get you a shot in your arm that day of your appointment and send you on your way. Ben Shearer with the Benton County Fairgrounds site for vaccination of COVID-19. Ben, thanks so much. Uh, continued good success to all the team working so hard to to perform this yeoman's work. Ben Shearer with the Pasco Fire Department and the Benton County Fairgrounds vaccination site. Back with the second half of Cadillac on Call in just a minute. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. And for the second half of our program, we're going to shift our focus away from COVID-19 to cancer care and some exciting news in the community. The foundations of Cadillac Regional Medical Center and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center are joining together to fund the hiring of a nurse navigator to help ease the way of oncology patients during their treatment. This is a position that would be added to the team of navigators already working within the Cancer Center and Cadillac Hematology and Oncology over at the Cancer Center Complex. This particular navigator will work primarily with patients in active treatment utilizing oral chemotherapy. And we're going to go to the phones and welcome to the program Jessica Luxon, who is the Director of Oncology Services at Cadillac. And, and Jessica, maybe first of all, for our listeners, if you would just explain what is a nurse navigator for cancer care and why is this so important? Yeah, so a nurse navigator is a um, specially trained oncology nurse that um, has experience under her belt that can help a patient navigate through the continuum continuum of care. So sometimes from pathology um, through survivorship um, and help really remove those barriers that patients often run into when they're getting treatment. And I would imagine we all know someone impacted by by cancer in some fashion. And so when that diagnosis comes to you mentioned, it's probably the most aptly named nurse that you have on your, your staff, right? A navigator? Absolutely. Absolutely. They are the linchpin um, of, of our programs and oftentimes are the, that first person that the patient will reach out to. Even though we have other pathways for them, um, they, they really help ease the way. And, and as you mentioned, it's, it, I, one, on one hand with cancer treatment, there is such an amazing team that comes together of expertise and compassion and professionalism of all the different combines of, of medical knowledge, whether they're physicians, nurses, or, or otherwise. But at the same time, that takes coordination, right? So does the navigator help in that regard? Absolutely. Um, so cancer is one of those diseases that crosses so many different medical service lines, surgery, um, oncology, your, your radiation teams, um, your testing and diagnosis. Um, and so oftentimes they can help kind of move you through, um, whether it's 
dealing with insurance companies or handing you over to a social worker when you're in a high level of distress and need help. So they really work with a team of people around them. Um, and they're not always just nurses. We, we have our social workers that are part of the navigation team and chaplaincy and things like that. But the nurses have that clinical background that can really identify where they need to get from point A to point B. Now, this particular navigator, I think we mentioned it's going to be working with patients in the midst of oral chemotherapy. If you can, without getting too technical for us, what does that mean and how does that, how does that enter the, into the cancer treatment process? Yeah, so oral chemotherapy is kind of a, a loose term for all um, anti-cancer drugs that are taken by mouth. Um, so oftentimes you think of that traditional treatment as that IV treatment or you're going in for your radiation treatment and you're usually seeing your, your care team there on a pretty, pretty regular basis. When you're getting these oral treatments, these are still um, uh, potent, strong anti-cancer drugs that are going to do what they need to do, but they often come with uh, difficult barriers such as just acquiring the drugs, working through your insurance, working through specialty pharmacies, um, you know, navigating the compliance of having to take something regularly at the same time daily. And then they often have the same side effect profile as our IV drugs. Um, if not, some side effects could be worse. So they really do need that um, care interaction pretty regularly, those lab monitor monitoring, those follow-up tests. And so having somebody who understands that compliance can make sure that the patients are taking their, their medications uh, the way they're supposed to take them daily and what happens when they miss them is really huge to keeping them on their treatment plan. And the longer we keep them, the more consistent on their treatment plan, the better chances we have to fight that cancer. And I know on the navigation side, whether it's in radiation, medical, or this oral chemotherapy type of uh, IV chemotherapy, you're a busy place, right? Absolutely, yes. We have grown just exponentially um, in the Tri-Cities. We're, we're able to offer so many services for our solid and liquid tumors. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing to be a part of. Talk to me a little bit about, I know the foundations of both Catholic and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center have separate foundations, but both raise money in support of cancer care, and each are, are contributing more than $100,000 to get this particular new navigation program up and running. What does that mean to you as a leader of this group, your team uh, that is providing the care to have this kind of support? It, it's really, um, it's it feels really wonderful, actually, to just um, be able to work with the Cancer Center and our Cadillac group as well. Um, it's, it's neat to see them reach across all diagnosis, all ends of the, the spectrum for our oncology. And the Tracy Cancer Center Foundation has been incredible. Um, they, they have, uh, besides this navigation piece, they've added, um, they do Friday meals for our patients. They, they have, you know, these hol holiday giveaways to really support them. So we've really felt really supported and integrated. But this is just one of those things that really brings both teams together. So um, it's, it's very exciting. And I know the Cancer Center has been around for a number of years, but its organizational structure a little bit has changed due to the, some of the, the operational dynamics of, of, of healthcare systems in the Tri-Cities. But, but Cadillac is going to continue on and build on the work over the past several years of what the Cancer Center has meant to this community. So in your mind, does that mean it's going to get even better and more synergistic? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, this just builds on that foundation um, that we already have for our cancer services. This will make it 
um, easier for us to, to communicate, for patients to access their charts. Um, the Cancer Center has a wonderful na- navigation team full of nurses and social workers and chaplaincy where they're off- able to offer so many services. And then to blend that with our you know, disease pathway navigators is going to really just help every cancer patient out there in the Tri-Cities. Well, and maybe one final 30 seconds, if you would, just a message to the donors, to the Cancer Center Foundation, the Catholic Foundation, and, and maybe the symbolism of this this joint partnership to, to really come together to benefit your patients. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is just a blessing to be able to offer this type of service for, um, you know, like you said, everyone has been touched by cancer in some way. And it helps us, you know, it, it helps us deliver on that Catholic promise of know me, care for me, ease my way. And, and the Cancer Center promise, which is to deliver world class, you know, cancer care in the Tri-Cities. So it's we're, we're so grateful for the community um, being able to support and fund this. Jessica Luxon, who is the Director of Oncology Services at Cadillac. Thank you for taking the time. Best wishes to you and your team and the heroic work that you do daily uh, to take care of the cancer patients that, that enter the doors of that facility. Jessica Luxon from Cadillac Regional Medical Center, the Director of Oncology Services. When we come back, we're going to hear a personal story of someone who has benefited from the work of a navigator and who is also involved in helping raise money to fund these navigators. And we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program. We're talking about cancer care and a partnership that is unfolding between Catholic Regional Medical Center and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center Foundation. The foundations of both Catholic and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center have each contributed $100,000 toward the funding and development of a program to have a nurse navigator uh, added to the team over at the Cancer Center uh, Complex and the oncology services there, uh, which certainly will provide additional great care and cohesiveness to cancer treatment here in our community. And we're pleased to have with us, uh, before we close our program, is Jennifer Olero, and she she checks a few boxes as it relates to cancer care. She's probably first and most importantly a cancer survivor, and we're thrilled to have her be willing to share her story a little bit for us. But she's also an officer and active with the Cancer Center's Foundation Board. And so, Jennifer, first of all, thank you for taking the time and maybe an initial comment from the Foundation of the Cancer Center's perspective on what it means to, to be able to team with Catholics Foundation to provide this important service uh, in addition to what's already there. It's significant. Um, We have been very fortunate to have such a good relationship and as and such a generous community Um, from the cancer center's perspective. You know, we we have such a we have a very strong foundation board and we have a very strong um, operations within the cancer center, both the foundation office and the center as a whole. And this community, as you're well aware, is just, uh, it's, it's almost hard to put into words how generous this community is and makes it possible for us to help fill these voids that we see um, in the cancer center and in cancer treatment um, as a whole. So it, it's been fantastic. 
we touched a little bit in the introduction that you have a special reason, obviously, and a very important reason for being connected to the to the organization and this service. But talk a little bit about, if you would, you you know the importance of a navigator in in cancer treatment. The navigator role is something that I, I guess I never really thought about it, but it's kind of like having a cruise director. Um, you have, you know, when when you're faced with a, the challenge of just dealing with your treatment, you know, the clinical treatment, there is an enormous amount of um, additional things that you might not think about, you might not have the energy to, to try to address, and you may or may not have a strong support system that can help you. And the navigator really fills that um, need. They, they're able to help with um, transportation. Um, a lot of us may or may not have um, someone that can take us, and, and they help. Um, you know, kind of, kind of coordinate some of that. Um, there's insurance challenges. Um, I was fortunate enough to not need that help, but um, I, I do volunteer um, with the Warrior Sisterhood, and that navigator is is crucial sometimes in helping deal with the challenges of just the insurance alone. Um, and then, kind of a third um, is is. The, there's a lot of side effects that um, emotional, um, there's physical side effects that you deal with as part of your treatment, and the navigator has resources, it, it can point you to the resources to help alleviate some of those challenges as well. So they are really um, guiding the patient um, through all of these challenges. For me, um it really helped me um, not be embarrassed to ask, you know, um, I had breast cancer, so I had no idea what to expect. And um, they were able to kind of help me, you know, get to the resource center and um, talk to the uh, naturopath at the cancer center to help with side effects that I never in a million years thought I was going to have to deal with at, uh, you know, in my younger days at 43. So <laughs> it's just, it's, it's really, uh, they really are a gift to the patient. And it's interesting, as we touched on, we all know you're, you directly impacted and everyone knows someone either, they've either had it themselves or they know someone close to them. And as you touched on, I know one of the things when I see, and I'm, I'm, I'm over in the the oncology services over there in the cancer center complexes is you do see, I mean, the vast majority do have wonderful support systems, but it, but it's almost heart wrenching to, to recognize that not everybody has that, that luxury and that ability to have someone with them. Right. Yes. And, um, sadly, uh, it's, it's very frequent. Um, there's a lot more folks there that, that need, that extra help. And, um, you know, before COVID, th- there were the navigators can even help um, or, or had helped. I'd seen um, with some of the, um, the the volunteers that are there and they just everybody just kind of takes care of everybody else. And, it, and it's really nice to see because, again, being being alone and having to deal with with that is just unimaginable. 
You have just a, a minute or two left, and I'd like to maybe uh, end where we started. And and you were you're a volunteer. Uh, you are a volunteer to serve on the foundation board. And I know in 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 my years in the Tri Cities working uh, in healthcare, it, it, it always amazes me to see the commitment of volunteers, whether it's in the hospital setting, the clinic setting, wherever it might be in the healthcare world, but. It's quite amazing to see, really, isn't it, the, the, the level of, of commitment of people to want to help out others on a volunteer basis. It, it is, and, and we all bring something to the table, whether it's a financial assistance, you know, donating, donating time. I mean, time is money. And um, services. Um, I mean, the, the, this community i can't speak for others but this community is generous with with time money and love and it's it's fantastic and is that why you do it just you you get so much more out of it i it's yes um i i feel that i was very fortunate um to have somewhat of a fairly if there's easy easy um cancer journey and um, one of the things that brought me to the cancer center, um, I really wasn't sure what I was doing, to be honest, but um, as a volunteer was seeing, it was seeing some of those folks, specifically the older folks that were alone. And I thought, you know, I, I got lucky. I had a strong support system um, and I didn't want to see others not do you know not have to do it alone and so i got involved and i have loved it it's hands-on um we deliver meals uh we raise money we have fun it's it feels good to give back to to a to a, a facility a family that was there for me well well said our thanks to you and everyone that serves the tri-cities cancer center foundation board the catholic foundation board all of the volunteers who make that cancer journey easier to go through. Jennifer Olero with the Tri-Cities Cancer Center Foundation Board. And again, the two foundations have collaborated to fund uh, the hiring of an additional nurse navigator over at the Tri-Cities Cancer Center. Again, our thanks to all of our guests tonight. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk again next week.